This is episode five. In this episode, you'll meet a licensed marriage and family therapist that offers mental health services specifically to moms. She focuses on providing access to mental health services and resources to Spanish-speaking communities. Enjoy! Hello, hello, bienvenidos. I'm Giselle Martin, and this is Relate and Elevate, a podcast with conversations of cultural identity and entrepreneurship. Join me to hear stories from entrepreneurs of different cultures and identities. I believe consumers want to support businesses and organizations that they relate to because it gives them a sense of community. I know it does for me. Also, my daughter will join me once a month to talk about the kid entrepreneur perspective. So subscribe to Relate and Elevate to learn more about closing the cultural gaps in the marketplace. So hello and welcome to Relate and Elevate. It's another episode and I'm here with Susana. Susana, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Susana Marquez and I've been invited um, on Gisela's uh, podcast. Thank you very much for having me. And um, do you want me to say a little bit about myself? Yeah, go ahead. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I started off working with a lot of families and children through the county here in LA County and Orange County. But after I had my son about three and a half years ago, I fell into a pretty bad postpartum depression and anxiety. So after about two years or so, I decided to certify myself as a maternal mental health clinician so that I could work with specifically mothers suffering from postpartum depression and anxiety, specifically with the Latina community, because I know that those services in our community are just non-existent and we don't really have the services in Spanish to begin with. So I wanted to definitely bridge that gap within our community and to educate and do a lot of preventative care. So I do a lot of work here in the community with free postpartum support groups, providing them specifically in Spanish, providing the curriculum in Spanish to do a lot of education. And as of recently, I decided to kind of go back to where it all started and do more of like couples work and family work and seeing children and adolescents and so forth, because I miss that too. And I feel that when you're a mom, a lot of the stuff that we go through can also affect the family, can also Mm -hmm. affect your relationship with your spouse or your partner, can definitely affect your child if you have older children. So I think it's important to be able to provide those services to not just the mothers, but also to others involved in the family as well as just being, yeah, just being able to provide them in Spanish for me is very important because we don't have that available. And if we do, it's not that easy for someone who comes from a Latino background to say, I'm going to seek a therapist. Right. And then if they do, there's a lot of stigma behind it. So to be able to yeah. just kind of bridge that and have that available and be a support system in our community um, is one of the things that I'm very passionate about. Well, I'm so happy you're doing this because I'm I'm pretty sure you've already served and helped a lot of families and you're just going to continue to help. So I'm, Thank I'm, you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so happy. That's the goal. Yes, that is the goal. Thank you. So we're going to get to know um, 
a little bit more about you personally. Just going to ask you a few questions about you. Sure. Like, what is your favorite food? Oh, you know what? I love pasta. And I, I, I'm a diehard fan of pasta. Anything that has, like, pasta and chicken is my favorite. Um, <laughs> and to tell you the truth, I think, like, chicken, really, anything with chicken, because I... If we go like to a burger place, I'll be the one who chooses a chicken sandwich. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, chicken pasta, just anything. Yeah, anything with chicken. I I I really really love chicken, and um, I just in, incorporate it in whatever kind of meal I'm having. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a healthier version of other you know meats so yeah yeah true unless you you know make that chicken sandwich like you know the works with <laughs> with like bacon and all kinds of cheese and all that stuff but yeah. that'd probably be me yeah <laughs> yeah I do that too trust me so what's your favorite color uh I would you know that's funny I had this conversation with my son last night and I told him my favorite color was red but I kind of go through like phases where like my favorite color is red and then sometimes my favorite color is blue. But honestly, I think it would have to be blue because I pretty much go for that color like 90% of the time. Interesting. So what's your, what's the most recent book you read? It's a book called Strong Mothers, Strong Sons. Hmm. Um, it's it's a very and you know what I've kind of read that book over and over again honestly mm -hmm. um yeah I it, have books like that yeah it's one of these books that I got when my son was like an infant and I always wanted to kind of know how to build that relationship where I'm building a strong foundation for him as a boy and with everything going on you know in our world I just want to yeah create that environment for him where he's secure within himself but also comfortable with his feelings and emotions and I'm like okay yeah. how can I be that strong mother and raise that strong son as far as the relationship that I want him to have with me because I know that the relationship that he's going to have with his father is going to be very different mm -hmm. so I've kind of reread that book over and over because I'll go back to it and highlight things that stand out or maybe things that now that he's going to be four mean a little bit more to me than they did when he was an infant so that's the book I've been reading and I I actually was going to post something about that book within the next couple of weeks because I think it's a good book for moms to read if yes, they have post it because I definitely yes. yeah I'll, I'll definitely post older, it yeah I have two older daughters and then my son came and I was like so nervous like seriously and I still kind of am but I was so nervous I'm like oh my god how am I gonna raise a son <laughs> well there's one there's one for like the one that we the one that I'm talking about I will post it because it's like for you to read for your boys but then there's another one for dads to read for their daughters so it's like Ooh. the other one is like strong fathers strong daughters so it's something that they can read to have that relationship with their daughter so I will post this book because I think it is something that a lot of moms would appreciate to have for them to um, read and kind of, you know, get that knowledge that sometimes, I mean, I only have one child, but it's different. I think times are so different now that, you know, anything you can read or use to help with raising your children is so beneficial. So I will yeah, share definitely. it. I will absolutely for share sure. it. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> 
And and see, that's why I like asking questions like this because you just you get to know the person, but then you also learn stuff too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So if if you could meet one person that are alive, who would that be? You know, I would honestly like to meet my maternal grandmother. Hmm. Grandmother. Yes, I never met her, but in hearing from my mom, she has a lot of traits that are very, very similar to me. And there's just things that I would have, that now I would like to ask her that I think would help with um, just understanding, mm-hmm. you know, the generational patterns that you mm-hmm. kind of go through in your life Definitely. or, or, or family patterns and so forth. So I think I, you know, I never really thought about it. Sometimes when you get asked that question, cause I've been asked that question before you think like celebrities or, you know, um, activists. Cause I know one person that I, I, I would also like to meet who's more of a, in the activist world and that we hold highly is Martin Luther King. Cause I think that he's a person that nowadays, even though he's been gone for so long, I think there's so many things that he stood for that are so, so relevant today that I would just kind of love to pick his brain and hear, you know, where he was coming from and just, you know, the passion and, and everything. Um, making the connections with absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. that's one person I would love to sit down with and be able to just kind of have him speak where you're not even saying anything you're just kind of hearing it and taking it all in but as far as a more of a closer family aspect I would say my maternal grandmother because like I said my mom's always told me as I was growing up how much I remind her of her and I she passed away when my mom was only 20 so I obviously never mm-hmm. got a chance to meet her, but it is someone who, even though I never got a chance to meet her, just from my mom telling me that there's always times where I'm like, oh, you know, it would have been nice to have a connection with her, to have known her, to have been able to um, have some kind of closeness the way my son has with his grandparents, because I didn't have that mm-hmm. with any of my grandparents, because most of them mm-hmm. had passed away when I was younger. And then the only one that I had, uh, I hardly ever saw. So, so that's one person as far as um, my family that I would love to be able to sit down and talk to besides yeah. Martin Luther King too. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. I said I wanted to meet my great, great, great grandmother. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, like, wow. Back, like a couple hundred years. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. How interesting. So, um, what's the last song you listened to? Oh God. Is it age of pro? No, it's not age of pro. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, let me see the, you know what I, oh, you know what? You're going to laugh or maybe not, but the last song I've heard, I, I, I go through my phases where I just put on my headphones at night when I'm doing work and I just listen to, I shuffle my playlist. Mm-hmm. So I go from everything to. Mark Anthony to Daddy Yankee to some killers. And in the mix in there, I have Marco Antonio Solis. So one of the last songs I heard was with him. And I love Marco Antonio Solis just because it reminds me of when I was growing up. Uh, My parents are both Central American, but in the neighborhood where I grew up, 
that was played on a constant basis by my neighbors. And I remember clearly just being a child and getting up and going to play and hearing it throughout the neighborhood. And it brings a, like a good feeling back because I, you know, you're a kid, you're having yeah. fun. Uh-huh. My parents, I remember sometimes my dad would work on the weekends and we'd go and meet him. So, and because I no longer have my dad, it brings me back to oh, that yeah. place. Yeah. So tell us something that only a handful of people know about you. Ooh. I think only a handful of people know that um, my father was a kidney transplant recipient and mm-hmm. that I was his caregiver for, for many years. I'm an only child and uh, besides my mom uh, taking care of him, but when she had to go to work and so forth, I was kind of strictly the one that dropped them off, you know, picked them up and took them to his doctor's appointments, picked them up from the doctor's appointments, had all the doctors on call on, on my cell phone. Um, and that was a struggle because that, uh, that prevented me in a sense, prevented me to, from finishing up my education. Um, mm-hmm. as you know, when you program it in your head, I'm going to be done at this, at this rate. Right. So, so I think only a handful of people know that that was one of the, the turning points for me when it came to wanting to do more of a, of a, a shift in career with helping people because I had originally when I was growing up and wanting to go to college, I always said I was going to be a pediatrician. I've always loved working with kids. I think it's just the fact because I'm an only child and I never really had, obviously I don't have siblings and then uh, family. We weren't as close uh, growing up and so forth. They're just people doing family, doing their own thing that I always wanted to work with kids. But and when I saw my dad become really ill and his health just kind of took a turn for the worse, I think that's where the shift in me of just wanting to help because I was also at an age where I was like not understanding what was going on. That created a lot of anxiety for me. I saw my mom go through her anxious moments and my dad fall through his uh, depression of being sick so much and being in the hospital so much and having to go through dialysis and having to be on a waiting list for an organ. So that that was something that not a lot of people know about and not a lot of people still know about that. It was something Mm -hmm. that literally was just like the triangle of us three kind of going through it. And it's not till I met my husband in college that kind of he infiltrated the triangle and was another you know, became a square of a support mm-hmm. system for me. So that's... I like your analogy. <laughs> well, thank, <laughs> thank you for you. sharing. But it, it's really important. Like, uh, it's really interesting to see how these, how just the tiniest or the or a big life experience that a lot of people don't even realize that we go through could yeah. inform or make our lives like pivot, you know? Like, Absolutely. the way we make decisions in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's when I started seeing how important it was to reach out for help and how important it was for people to just even say, how can I help? And it's in those moments where you kind of realize who's really with you and who's not and who's helpful and, you know, who, right. who takes the time to, to, to ask how they can help. And um, like I said, my husband kind of came into the picture where he took on a a huge part of responsibility that I always felt like it wasn't his responsibility. So I also had a, a 
I have been doing this for so long by myself. So I was also having a, a hard time kind of accepting the help because mm-hmm. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I, I can do this. I've been doing this for so long. Like it's not your responsibility. So you yeah. go through your, through your changes of, of wanting to wanting to help, but then knowing how to accept it. So I think that that's also cultural, you know, you, you know, Definitely. we're not, you're not really taught to ask for help. If you ask for help, then you're seen as weak. And with me, it was, I didn't feel that I was being weak if I asked for help. But for me, it's because I always did it by myself. And that was just my norm. That was yeah. just the way it was done. It's always been me. So yeah, like why I was, change it if, yeah, exactly. I've always done it and I, and it's worked for me. So I come in and I've always, you know, and I always felt like if I put this on you, then I'm putting a burden on you that you don't need to be bothered with. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that's, that's one of the things that like you said was very pivotal for me. And it was one of the things that only like a handful of people know. And, um, it's, it was definitely a huge turning point in my life. Well, thank you for sharing. I thank think you. that's, it's sometimes it's hard for us to you know share things like that but I think it it also helps us to heal when we share absolutely like that you know share things that people don't really know about us so you you kind of already started talking about your uh, culture a little bit so let's move into that into cultural identity how do you self-identify so I'm Latina and I come from Central American parents. My dad was from Guatemala and my mom is from El Salvador. And even though I personally have never been to either country Mm -hmm. and it is absolutely shocking to a lot of people. And trust me, I at times kind of go through that myself where I'm like, wow, I've never been there. It hasn't been a, a, you know, a reason of, I don't want to go. It's been there's been so much going on with my dad being sick for so long that we just could not take the time to travel. And so when I was younger, my parents obviously didn't want to interrupt my school schedule or we didn't have the financial means to just kind of pick up and travel the three of us and stuff mm-hmm. like that. My, my dad had several illnesses and, and accidents when I was growing up and when he finally did get really, really sick, I was 15 in high school. So it was tough. It was very, very, very tough because it was one of these things where he felt ill, like gravely that we weren't given a lot of hope. So, you know, traveling and all of this stuff is the last thing on your mind. And that, you know, my parents were more concerned about you know, let's get you to grad, you know, let's help you finish high school. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to start college. They definitely were always very on top of my education and making sure that I had everything I needed to succeed. Um, But I also, you know, was struggling to, to understand, you know, what he was going through and that stuff like that. So we, we never, you know, we can never travel. I I haven't been there. It is a goal of mine to go now to um, also take my son because I do believe that it's important to teach him our roots and mm-hmm. where we come from. And yeah. I do make it a mission every day to speak Spanish to him, to teach him about the foods that we eat, the music that we listen to, the traditions that we have in our culture, in our family. My husband's family is also from um, El Salvador. So we go to the festivals, we mm-hmm. you know, go to the restaurants and, and we make sure we incorporate that stuff. But I identify like that because even though I was born here in, in the United States, when I was in high school, I, I went to an 
I would say to an all white junior high and high school because I went to school up in the valley. So I was bused there. So when you're bused there, you're with people who are like you. You're talking mm-hmm. Spanish. You're 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 sharing stories about like pupusas and and, mm-hmm. and you know foods and traditions. But then when you get to school, it's very different because you're surrounded by more you know Caucasians. But I found my niche. I found my niche where I found friends who were also from Central American backgrounds. And in speaking mm-hmm. with them, building community. Yeah. Exactly. I mm-hmm. built a community where the accent stuck with me. So when people heard me speak Spanish, they immediately were like, oh my God, Salvadoreña. And I'm like, yeah, my mom is from El Salvador, but my dad's from Guatemala. They're very close. They're very, very similar. But I, I just identify. I, I, I identify clearly with, with my background. I, I identify. I'm not ashamed of, of whatsoever, uh, <laughs> excuse me, of, of identifying with my culture, of identifying with my roots, of speaking Spanish. Um, and now more than ever, I'm going to purposely speak Spanish around certain people <laughs> because I am so grateful that I am fluent, that I am fully bilingual, that I read it, write it, you know, speak it and all that stuff. Because I think it's important to be able to wear that with pride and, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and there's nothing to be ashamed of. So I, I, that's how I identify, you know, and like I said, they're very similar and I haven't been to either one. And, you know, when we wanted to make those trips, unfortunately, there was always the backlash of, well, my dad couldn't go because he needed to get an order from his doctor, all his medication. And those are just things that you unfortunately cannot get over there. So we never wanted to risk his health by taking a trip and then not being able to have everything that he had here in place somewhere else where we knew that, you know, you don't have those luxuries over there, honestly speaking. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want to take the risk. And then unfortunately, um, you know, he passed away going on three years. My mom has been back to El Salvador many times throughout the years on her own. The only year she didn't go was when I had my son because this is their only grandchild. Mm-hmm. but she always brings back all the good stuff. She brings back all the pan and the queso and the crema and all the, she brings, oh, yeah. she brings them back clothes and toys and stuff like that. So I feel like even though I haven't personally been there, our, my culture is always, I'm always surrounded by my culture, yeah, strong connection. but it, yes, but it is something that I have put aside to say, I, this is my goal. This is what I intend to do because I do want to, myself immersed in the culture by going and also teaching my son Mm. where he comes from, where his grandparents come from, from, you know, both sides, but at the same time, not forgetting that his grandpa on my side is from Guatemala to also taking a trip there and teaching Mm -hmm. him, you know, that stuff. So, so it it is a goal and I hope to be able to do it soon. That's great. Um, Yeah. I'm just thinking about like, you know, me too. My kids are a little bit older. We've we've gone a few times, but it's also very different at the ages that they go and understanding things and understanding history and things like that. Yeah, and I think that that's an well for now. You know, with him, he's only three and a half. When he was younger, I wasn't in the right state of mind to travel. I I, I had a really bad time uh, with my postpartum issues after he was born, and then. In 2015, my dad passed away. So technically, the last couple of years have also haven't been where I've been planning any kind of trip. So mm-hmm. I think I've also said, you know, I'll wait till he gets a little older now that I'm planning for that. 
because I really want him to be able to enjoy and understand the culture and where we're coming from and what I'm trying to teach him. Then, yeah. you know, as toddlers, they, they can only do so much. They can only understand so much. But now as time passes and I've made it a mission to where like, this is what we're going to do at some point. I want to be able to take that opportunity to even also be able to do it with my mom. While thankfully she's still here to be able to travel with her because I know that that's one of her, her wishes is, you know, I would love for all of us to go together that way. You know, I, she's like, she always says, that's my last wish for us us to travel together and be able to enjoy Mm -hmm. my country with my daughter and my grandson and my son-in-law yeah, we haven't been able to do something like this. So I hope to be able to, you know, make that dream come true of hers and, and, and oh, get to I do that. You, do. you will, you will. Yes, Definitely yes, will. I will. Yes, let's put it out there. So let's um talk a little bit more about your business. You start, you, in the introduction, you talked a little bit about it and what your goals were and what you wanted to do. Um, but can you be a little bit more specific in exactly what services you offer and where you offer them? Oh, sure. Yeah. So about a year and a half ago, I opened up a a community service called Me, Myself, and Mommy. And so basically what I offer with that is postpartum support groups, postpartum depression and anxiety, teaching about perinatal mood disorders. It's all about perinatal mood disorders. So it's basically mental health for pregnant and postpartum mothers. Perinatal mood disorders consist of postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum OCD, Mm. postpartum psychosis. So it's all the mental changes that a woman can experience either before or after having a baby. And because I'm in the mental health field, I wanted to kind of create a little niche of working specifically with mothers because I experienced it myself. So as it's I was really experiencing, amazing. it's really, really amazing. That Thank you. Like God, like you started doing it. You got the calling. I, it's yeah. You know what? Nowhere, I, I, nowhere have I ever, ever, ever seen this except for you. Except for Thank you. you. Thank you. And, and you know what? That's one of the reasons why I said I have to do something. One, I was in it myself. I was having mm-hmm. a hard time connecting with other moms. I was forcing relationships with other moms because I wanted to be part of a community of mothers. But unfortunately, it wasn't what I needed. It wasn't what I wanted. So the relationships came and went and nothing was substantially formed to where I felt like, oh, this mom understands me. Because I know we all experience motherhood differently. We all have Mm -hmm. different support groups. We all have a different support system. We all have a different journey. But at the same time, I think when culturally you're surrounded by people who have a deeper sense of what your journey is because you can identify with the same language or the same tradition or the same culture. Mm -hmm. The way you connect is so different. It's It's absolutely so different. Yep. It's about making connections and understanding. You you kind of just really uh, answered a couple of the questions that I have is what problem is your business helping to solve? And if you've identified gaps in the industry and you did that just by establishing you know, the service, offering the services that you are. And I think, well, because I always felt that 
you know, you can go to a therapist and say, mm-hmm. I, you know, I want to talk to you on a one-on-one basis, but if you don't have the financial resources or you don't have a therapist, you clearly identify with and connect with that work is not going to, is not going to happen. Like, but the cultural relevance is so important. Absolutely. Like if walk into, if, if I were to go to a different country that I like a non Latin American country and I go there and I try to start talking to them about, about this, asking them the questions. Like I wouldn't be able to relate to them because Absolutely. their country and the way that they run businesses and, and the way entrepreneurship is done is completely different. That's absolutely so different. Cultural, and cultural relevance is so, so, so important. I mean, it's just so clear cut different. And it's, it's this simple. A Caucasian mother, her journey is absolutely very, very different from a Latina mother. Absolutely mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. The, first of all, we have to talk about the fact that there's um, a lot, a lot of differences financially. There's a lot mm-hmm. of privilege, which is a huge, huge factor there that um, a Caucasian mother already has to mm-hmm. a Latina mother. There's um, many, many gaps when right. it comes to resources for a Latina mother. There's the lack of resources. Exactly. There's a lack of funding or there's a lack of support or there's a lack of understanding, a lack of education. And so, unfortunately you know, it's perpetuated more and more each day. And I just feel that as I was going through my journey, I'm like, if I'm going through this, I'm sure that I'm not the only one going through this. And if I thankfully have the ability to go to a therapist because of my insurance or because I know someone, what about those moms who can't go to a therapist Mm -hmm. because they don't have the insurance or they haven't found someone they connect with, or first and foremost, they don't have the ability to speak English. So how are they going to get these services? Yep. And granted, I've worked for the county where as a bilingual clinician, you get bombarded with cases. My caseload was sometimes over 40. And it was very difficult to manage because you want to give everyone their individual time and all the help they need. But that's when you see how our system fails us and mm-hmm. if people fall through the cracks. And because you can only do so much as well. And so I'm like, if I can provide what I know as a clinician, and then at the same time, add the layer of personalizing it and showing them, and not showing them, um, educating them that this does happen in our culture. We just really don't talk about it. And that or okay. we give it another name. Yeah. And it's okay. And that and doesn't make you a, one. yes. <laughs> and you're not a bad mother. You're not you know, don't be afraid of getting your children taken away. Cause I understand how, if you don't speak the language, you don't have the resources. And now you're also dealing with issues with immigration. A huge fear is if mm-hmm. I talk, my children are going to get yeah. removed. And I understand how that mm-hmm. can stop anyone dead in their tracks. If it comes to your child and the fear of getting your child removed, I felt it. And I'm a, a citizen and I speak English and I have the resources. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine how all these other things can stop someone from saying, I'm not going to ask for help because I don't want anyone coming knocking on my door. And, you know, it's something that now I struggle with a lot to, to just comprehend everything else that's going on because you want to kind of help everyone and you want to make all these changes and you want to do all these things. And like I was talking with someone else over the weekend, you know, if we all come together and do our own little part, then we can definitely make changes. But 
it's still, you know, it's still something that I'm trying to get other agencies to comprehend where I'm coming from. It's still something that I'm trying to get funding for and I'm fighting for every day to say, hey, you guys need this because. Good for you. Thank you because, for doing that. For thank you. Everyone who needs it. Yes, <laughs> because I'm like, look, it. yeah, you hospitals need to be educated more culturally. They have mm. to be more culturally diverse. They have to understand that what. A Latina mom is experiencing after birth is not the same thing that a Caucasian mom is going to experience. You have to take her culture into consideration. You have to take her identity, her, her support system. If she's a single mom, that's an extra layer of stress. Mm. If she's an immigrant mom, that's another extra layer of stress. And if we put everyone in the same box of motherhood, no, it does not work. We're not, right. you know, you, so you like just, you said, you, you just identified another gap in this industry is the giving birth part in the hospital. Yes. The, yes. the lack of cultural relevance Absolutely. in the hospital while giving birth. I mean, yeah. for me, I mean, I have three children. All three pregnancies were different. All three births were different. Even though I had three C-sections, they were all completely different. I'm sure. The postpartum was completely different because, you know, the first one I had one. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was the first time I've ever had a major Absolutely. And that's another thing. And to, then you know, the first later. time, yeah, oh, being man. a first time mom, I think is absolutely mind blowing. Oh, yeah. I don't care. I how didn't much... want to leave the hospital when <laughs> I you and I both. I was induced and I had a C section. So I was literally there from Sunday night and I left Saturday, like a whole week. I mean, why would I want to leave? I had right. wonderful women that would come take care of me, take care of my baby. They would teach my husband how to. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was like, can I take a nurse home? How am I going to know? Yeah, they asked yeah. me what I wanted to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like I had a like had a choice menu. Yeah, I had a I had a I had a vaginal birth. Uh, I'm sorry, a vaginal labor and. Same thing. I was like, can I take a nurse with me? How am I going to know what time to feed my son? I breastfed. He was a cluster feeder. I'm like, how do I know if I need to wake mm -hmm. him up? You're telling me this, but it's not, I'm not uh -huh. processing it. You understand the fear. I was in fear of how am I going to take care of a child? How? And it doesn't matter how many people give you advice, which at the end of the day, honestly, it's a lot of unwanted, unsolicited advice. Right. Yeah. But there's still things that people, when they give you advice, they don't take into consideration the, the different, just the differences, the, different. the, the, the differences in generation, you know, the way they did motherhood back then is not the way we do motherhood now, or, or there may it's be some similarities. Situational. It's not even like absolutely. Person, person or generation. It's situation. Situational. It's absolutely three yeah. different births at three. And I was three different ages in my life. Right. And you know, the first time that I got home, I forgot to take my medication or we didn't fill my prescription before going home. And I, and I got home for my first baby and I was 26, I was 26 years old when my first baby, I got home and I missed a dose of my, uh, you know, my medication because of my C-section. And I was literally like in pain, like my body was cringing. Like, how am I supposed to take care of this baby when my body isn't even? So I was even, I was more afraid of leaving the hospital because I needed someone to take care of me. Like I couldn't, I couldn't take I care of myself 
let alone like take care of the baby too you know it was just uh, oh i hear you, know, you because you're at home and everybody's there waiting for you and then you have this and that and then my my parents like you know bless them and bless everyone who wants to help but they're like oh you have to do this and you have to do that and i'm just like ah like, yeah no no and that's one of the things that i teach one of the things that i make um a factor to say in my groups that it's okay to tell people no you can't come over right now and i stress that and a lot of people who i've told sometimes look at me like oh wow that's a little harsh and i'm like no it's not harsh you know why because you're taking care of yourself first to in order to take care of your child and you are not in any position mentally physically emotionally to take care of everyone else who decides to come by who needs you know, oh, we're going to eat or, or who want you to host. You're, you're, <laughs> you're not ready to host. Plus, I also feel that there's that time frame where you just need to kind of bond and, and care. And, you know, and, I, and in our culture, I know they call it la, la dieta, you know, the 40 days of where you're taking care of yourself. And, and in Central America, they do it 40 days where you're supposed to be home mm-hmm. with your child. You're not really, you know, mm-hmm. up to be out and about doing a lot of things. You're really supposed to kind of heal your body mm-hmm. from giving birth. Mm-hmm. But I think that what is, what is not emphasized and what I truly like to emphasize, you have to heal your mind as mm-hmm. well, because you're adjusting to being a mom for the first time. This is mind blowing. You have no clue what it's ever like to kick. You're, you're never prepared to be a mom. There isn't anything that taught me how to be a mom. I was up all night for grad school, writing papers, working full time. None of that prepared me for being a mother. Those were nights where I wish I never even said, oh, I'm so tired because it doesn't compare, you know? And then, um, you know, you just have to also bond with your child and take the time to heal emotionally from the changes that you're experiencing. It's no longer just you and your partner. It's no longer just you. If you're a single mom, you now have someone to take care of and you have to kind of learn what that child needs because every child is different as well. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if, you know, our children are the same age. They're absolutely different children. And so their needs need to be, you know, you just have to adjust to all these different schedules and changes. And And then you're also trying to figure out like, how you are as a mom and how you want to be and you're trying to figure it out and then you have all these people telling you all these things and like I mean I I I do like to hear advice from other people and be like okay I'll try this okay I'll try that but that doesn't mean that just because someone else tells me something like I have to do it that way or or even if I tried that it will necessarily work for my child my lifestyle you know, so it's not, it's not that I don't want to hear it. I think that sometimes people just really need to understand that, um, or they shouldn't get offended. If they shouldn't get offended. And I feel that <laughs> or take it personally, if we don't I, do what they've, what they've, uh, shared with us that right. for them. I'm the kind of person now that I'm like, if I didn't ask you for advice and please don't share. If I, ask, if I genuinely, genuinely ask you, Hey, you know, I'm having this issue. What did you do? It's because I truly want to hear what you have to say. But if I'm not asking you for anything, then I really don't need to hear your advice because I think that now, as I've learned, um, because I went through my, through my years where 
you know, everything, everything bothered me, everything, you know, hearing advice from anyone was just something that I internalized and I never said anything or, um, I never said, no, I don't want them to come over because I was afraid of what I would hear or I never, you know, it was this, this constant battle of, of my inner self with, you know, what I was experiencing. So I think now I, cultural I've, pressure too yeah, absolutely absolutely saying, absolutely yeah. absolutely There's and so like now social pressure absolutely people, yeah yeah because you're expected to kind of get back up and you know you're expected you know for some women they have to go back to work really early so they have a whole new thing you know a whole something else to adjust to you know some have to you know leave the baby with the nanny or their mm-hmm. mother-in-law or their mom because they have to go back to work they're single moms or even if they have a spouse that's just the way it has to work out for them, you know? Mm-hmm. And thankfully I was able to stay home with him, but in staying home with him, I also began to miss parts of me that I could not fulfill that mm-hmm. I knew had kind of come to a halt where I was like, well, I can't do this now because I have to take care of my child and he's, you know, I'm breastfeeding or I can't go to this or I can't do that or you know, even as a professional, you start thinking, wow, I went through all this school, I got all this education, I've done all of this, but now I'm just kind of frozen in time, because I can't practice, or I can't really take on this, this much of a responsibility with a job, because then if I do, then I have to look for a nanny, or I have to look for a babysitter. Yeah, no, I have definitely to- not alone. In, so when it, just because of your profession, like, I think most women, a lot of women go through that too. Like, they 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 it's just part of the career like I worked part-time with my uh older children and it wasn't until my son my my third child was nine months old that I got a full-time 40 hours a week job and you know my kids are old my my kids were five two and a half and nine months and that was hard for me even at nine months, you know, even at my son, and yeah. nine months, like that was, that was really hard for me too. So, so I, I just want to point out that you are, you shared with us how your business vision came about um, and that you shared with us the problems that your business is definitely solved. It's really more about cultural relevance and accessibility to uh, communities of Spanish speaking and Latin American uh, descent, right? People yes. from Latinos, right? And you also identified some gaps in the industry. I mean, you definitely pointed out that in the mental health industry, the Spanish speaking, the cultural relevance, but you also pointed out that in the hospital giving birth, that was one that I hadn't even ever really thought about. Um. Well, yeah, because not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of education when it comes to cultural diversity. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that definitely has to be expanded in the hospitals. Also the, the, I wasn't aware and it wasn't, it's not till now that I'm doing this work and that I've become part of other organizations and, um, groups that I've realized that, you know, you can have a doula. I'm like, you know, I, I'm part of a, of a group, uh, Latina Mothers Collaborative, where we're all doing different professions. We all have a different career, but it's all 
in large working with mothers and educating mothers and what the founder, she's a doula. And when I met with her last year, I'm like a doula to me, that was foreign. I'm like, wait a minute. What is that again? And as she started explaining what she does, like, I didn't even know that this was available. And, you know, when I, when I was pregnant, but it seems very, it didn't seem accessible to me at all. There's a lot of things that I found out that I learned too, but they just didn't seem accessible to me. And, you know, one thing that I've noticed um, in you and then me is like, even as college educated, higher educated background women of Latina, Latina women with higher education, we still don't have access to a lot of things because we don't know about them and even if we go out of our way and we have to dig and research to find it it's still not that easy it's it's just if it's hard like for us and and I'm not saying that we're better in any way shape or form but you know our higher education gives us teaches us how to be resourceful that's what I I think like at the end of the day a, a bachelor's degree teaches us how to be resourceful and if we're really resourceful and it's hard for us to find these resources like how much that just puts it in perspective of how hard it is for other people i think what happens too is with higher education is the higher education you get i think the more westernized you're expected to be and the more assimilated with the american culture to where you're expected to in a sense forget Part of your culture because when I heard doula, when I heard belly binding, I immediately said, Wait, that's how my mom, you know, my mom's mom gave birth, you know. It's just this different is, words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Partera, you know, yeah. giving birth at home, you know, belly binding to, you know, with herbs and all of that. And I immediately went there with, Oh, yeah, that's how my grandmother uh, gave birth in El Salvador. And then she said, It's accessible here. We, there's a lot of women giving birth, you know, at home, water birth, or they're in a hospital, but they have a doula or a midwife and so forth. And so when I heard that, I'm like, like you just said, yeah, higher education prepares you to be resourceful and it educates you. But I think that that's where it also forgets how to be culturally diverse, how Mm -hmm. to incorporate all Mm -hmm. of these things. And that's why I think that it's important for us as individuals, as Latinas, to never forget our own culture, because then if we do forget our own culture, if we do erase our culture, if we do ignore our culture, then we're also doing our culture a disservice. We're also doing a disservice to others because if I don't incorporate these teachings, if I don't believe in this, if I don't understand this, then if I have a Latina mother who comes to me for the, for my services and tells me, Oh, I'm having a partera or I had a belly binding session. How am I going to truly be able to assist her mm-hmm. if I don't understand that? Exactly. Then I will just be like any other Caucasian therapist that she's come across who will not understand that part of well, her culture. Right there, that's exactly why you're making it more accessible. Like that's that's the whole reason. Exactly. Because I want to bridge that gap. And even though I had a hospital birth, I didn't have a doula, I didn't have a midwife. And I did the belly binding, but I didn't, my mom incorporated a lot of her traditions with uh, sopas, you know, caldos, hierbas, and this and that, and, you know, 
things that you drink to help with milk production and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that you just can't, you know, go to this. You're not going to go to like CVS and purchase it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And my, and, and El Salvador is them cocina chocolate. And it's like mm-hmm. a cup of tea, but a hot steaming chocolate that's supposed to help with milk production. Well, you know, you can't go to CVS. You can't go to Rite Aid to purchase mm-hmm. the stuff. This is only things that are culture that you're going to find in our, mm-hmm. in, in our little, you know, mercaditos or, mm-hmm. or you know, our, our country. Because I remember my mom had my uncle come from El Salvador. She was supposed to go with him, but because I had had the baby, she goes, look, I need you to bring me this, 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 and this bag <laughs> because I'm going to need it for, for Susie when she has a baby. So she got all of her supplies brought here that she would not have found anywhere else had my uncle mm-hmm. not been able to do that. So those are the things that I connected with that helped me that I also want to be able to say, I understand if you have a belly binding session. I understand if you're having a partera. I understand if you have a, a home birth because I am Latina and I understand that this is part of our culture. And I understand that in order for you to feel supported, in order for you to be heard and felt validated, you should be able to come and sit across someone who knows where you're coming from and has that understanding. And even if I don't know, because I know there's some differences too, when we go from country to country, let's say from, you know, Mexico to El Salvador, to Guatemala, to Honduras, some things are different. Some, Mm -hmm. even some things are, are, they mean the same, but they have a different wording for it. I mean, I understand all of that. So let's say I'm sitting across someone who's from Mexico. Okay, well, educate me because I can tell you that this is how we do it in El Salvador. And then you realize it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It just has a different name. Yeah, no, just the fact that you're willing to understand, I think, is also a big, a big difference. Absolutely. Because I feel that the more educated you are, the the better understanding you have of the diverse melting pot that we live in. I mean, I think that when we say, oh, I'm a Latina and we're all Latinos, absolutely. But there's so much diversity just within us Latinos and Latinas. There's so much, there's so much culture. There's so much richness. There's so so much passion. Yeah, there's so many layers to all of us that I think it's important to be able to, to comprehend that and the willingness to want to understand, not to just kind of overshadow and say, well, no, this is who I am. And I don't care to know you know, because I think we already get that from everyone else. You know, we're already grouped in one box. You know, we're already, all Latinos go under this category. Well, no, no, they don't. And so I think that it's important that if we within ourselves understand, like you said, there's a lot of layers of us, then I think that we can break those stigmas from others who already want to classify us as one person when that's not what we are. So a better understanding can, can definitely make a difference and the willingness to want to understand. Because yeah. unfortunately, I have come across people within the community who just don't want to take the time to understand or do not care to understand. So there's a lot of doors that still need to be kind of, you know, yeah. broken down and a lot, of, a lot of stigmas that still need to be broken down because... It's been perpetuated for years. Unfortunately, times are a lot more difficult now where it, it's, a, it's getting to be a little harder to say, you know, let's have this conversation because some people just clearly have 
a closed mind and they're kind of tunnel vision and they say, I don't want to have that conversation because mm -hmm. A, this is, this is who you are to me. This is what you stand for. And no, I don't, you know, I don't talk to, to those kind of people. So I think what I'm trying to get at is politically, we're at such like a warfare right now where even having these conversations sometimes can be very triggering to some people because it's like, like a time bomb, like a ticking mm. time bomb, you know, it's, it's like you want to have these conversations, but for some people it's like that time bomb ready to explode where don't tell me, you know, that you're going to speak Spanish in this community or don't tell me that you're going to educate on this in Spanish because we don't serve, you know, those people or we don't offer those services. So it's like, what do you mean by those people and those services? We need this stuff. Mm. We need this. So it's, it's still a battle. It's still something that I continue to fight for even here in my community. I continue to fight for uh, just in a broader sense with my, with my posts because I feel that we all need to be educated on mental health. We all need to be yes, understanding of what mental health is. We all need to be able to comprehend when someone is saying I'm struggling, that it's not just, like you said, situational or Oh yes, it's about passar. Oh, I start loca. You know, you know, it's not loca too. Just yes. move over there, sit down, whatever. Just get yeah. over it. Just yeah, exactly. stop crying, whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a big deal, but yep. you know, so. it, it can turn into a big deal. Absolutely. So we have been talking about um, access for the the communities that you serve and their access to mental health, but what about the access to resources that you have in building your business? Like how easy or difficult was it for you to find what you needed to start your business? Well, thankfully, because I had the education and I had an idea of what I wanted to do, I found a few organizations that work with maternal mental health specifically that were located in LA mm -hmm. that I reached out to and I took um, a okay. training with them. But again, when it came to resources in Spanish, specifically in Spanish, that's something that I had to do myself. Basically what I did was I took all the information that I had in English and I said, well, I'm going to translate all of this because wow. there's not, it's not a easy specific. It's not, it's not easy to say, Oh, here's a Spanish handbook. Or here's a, you know, um, resources in Spanish or, or, or pamphlets or brochures or anything like that. So there were a few that thankfully I found through that organization in LA. But for the most part, I have done a lot of my own translating, a lot of my own writing up curriculums myself and saying, well, okay, as a mom who was suffering from postpartum depression, what are some of the things I wish I would have known? Or what are some of the key things that I wish would have been discussed in a support group? So I've kind of come more on a personal basis and said, these are things that I think you definitely need as a mom in regards to postpartum depression. These are things you need to learn. These are things you need to be aware of, the red flags, the symptoms, triggers, things like that. So I've done a lot of the writing myself. But I have also, in the process, not till recently, have met a few other clinicians who work in mental health, who are of uh, Latino America descent, who speak Spanish, who 
have invited me to groups and said, Hey, you know, I have a group on Facebook where we share resources where, you know, you can look for or ask, you know, there's so many specialties. So people specialize in different things and you can say, Hey, I'm looking for something in regards to trauma or I'm looking in regards to something with um, a substance abuse. So that has been very, very helpful because it gives you the opportunity to collaborate with other people, to mm -hmm. share. And we're all yeah. coming from the, the same cultural context where we're all speaking Spanish. We're mm -hmm. all working with other people who speak Spanish and come from, you know, Latino America uh, countries. And you want to be able to, to say, Hey, here, you need this. I've got it. Don't worry about it. Go ahead and use it or make any changes as necessary. But at least there's a little bit more of, um, yeah, that's good. of an assistance with resources. So it's, it's been, you know, it's, it's been a little bit of a, of a struggle. So a lot of the things that I've come up with, I've done myself, but thankfully in the process of, of networking, I have met a few clinicians where now I'm part of a group and we can share things. And I think that that's substantial. I think it's important to be able to have that. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely collaborating and having allies and partners. Yes. Yeah, that's really yes. important. Yes. So just one more question before we go. We've had such a great conversation. I know we have. This like, has turned out could, better than I expected, honestly. I, oh, I could I could probably talk and, to you for like another couple hours. No, I know. And that's the first time we spoke. I remember it was like that. But you know what? Yeah. It, I had I had some some hesitations about being on a podcast because it's my first one. So thank you very much. <laughs> and I was kind of like, you. oh, what is she gonna ask me? And I reviewed your questions, but you know, sometimes I like to just kind of go with the flow of the conversation yeah, because I think that that's just more of a natural, genuine way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of hesitant, like, oh, what if she, you know, asked me this? Okay, I got to remember to respond this way. But I'm no. so, so <laughs> happy how it's flown and how it's turned out because I think it's just been a very, very natural, genuine, authentic conversation on you know, what our business looks like and, and what I'm trying to do, but also in just hearing your experience too. And, you know, a more on a personal level, I think really connects the myself with mm -hmm. you and the listeners, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that's really what I wanted to kind of go for. Like, I'm like, I really want the listeners, listeners to connect. I really want them to, mm -hmm. to say, Oh my God, I, you know, I felt that way or, or I know exactly what she's talking about. So thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, no. So I, yeah, I mean, that's why it's called Relate and Elevate, because we need to absolutely. relate. That's why yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, like absolutely. I do, so for all the listeners, I do have a list of questions that I have, and sometimes we get to all of them, sometimes we don't, but I, it just really depends on the topic and how it goes. But we've had such a great conversation, and you actually have answered a lot of my questions without even me asking i know that's i realized that too <laughs> I, that's why i'm just trying to point that's why i'm just pointing it pointing it out like you know um but also i think it also helps that i kind of i send the uh questions ahead of time so <laughs> at least i hope that helps but I do, it did. I do have one more question if you had no constraints would you start another business what would it be or, or maybe would you expand your business? Because you kind of, you kind of already have kind of expanded. Yeah. But like even and after your expand expansion, if you had no constraints, what like what else would you do? Like what is your big pie in the sky version? Well, so like I said, recently I did expand to open it up to 
everyone as far as my private practice goes to be able to not just see mothers but everyone Mm -hmm. Uh, you know all different other uh, mental illnesses families couples because I have that education I have that specialization so I want to be able to continue to do Mm -hmm. that so thankfully the transition was very smoothly and it has uh, been very effective to be able to reach out to a broader audience because now I feel that even if a mother does come in with her own postpartum issues and her spouse wants to come in to be able to support her and do more Mm -hmm. of a family session, then that's absolutely perfectly fine with me. And I'm able to provide that. And I'm very, very excited that the transition has been smooth and so forth. But that big pie in the sky for me is to be able to expand the services by saying, okay, I'm not just going to have a private practice here in Long Beach. I want to be able to have one in LA where Mm -hmm. I know that there's more of a Spanish speaking population, or I want to be able to reach out to other community organizations in LA Mm. that work with, for example, right now, one one thing that I really, really want to kind of cater to and I want to open up to, and it's something that I'm announcing here for the first Mm. time, because I've been kind of um, brainstorming on it, is I definitely want to work with immigrant families. Mm. I want to be able to provide my services to the children who have been separated from their parents, especially in the climate that we're living right now. I want to be able to offer those services to families that have a, a case with immigration currently who have a child who's struggling with some form of PTSD or separation Mm. anxiety from being separated from their parents and to offer those services for free, to be able to say, I can see you for free. Because I know that that's amazing. A, a lot of these things end up classified for children as behavioral problems. And right. I've been in school settings and I've seen this happen where the child then is labeled as problematic and has behavioral problems and they're expected to thrive in a school setting. And that's not going to happen if you don't peel the onion back and understand where this child is hurting, this is, where this yeah, child is this coming issue from. It's so frustrating for me. And it I'm is. so happy. And you yet identified another gap. Absolutely. The- absolutely. <laughs> and so I, I'm so happy that my experiences and the work that I've done has brought me to this point and has given me the opportunity to be able to do this. But this is the big pie in the sky to be able to have different practices in different locations to provide these services at a more more larger scale to be able to expand and to this has always been a a goal of mine to be able to one day have a nonprofit or big clinic that can house all of this in one Mm, you know big area or even make like I said my practices into nonprofits where I have them at different locations and Mm -hmm. be able to house all of this because like I, like I said before, right now we're just living some very, very challenging and so very nice. difficult and very, you know, time bomb, ticking time bomb times where the people, our people need our support and help as much as possible. They truly do. Yeah. So like I said, it's the first time I've announced it. I had, you know, I've been thinking about it for several weeks already and I've been kind of thinking about how to put it, how to put it out there. But it, it is something that I want to say. I am open to seeing children from, you know, whose parents have an immigrant case and and reach out to maybe even um, immigrant lawyer, uh, you know, attorneys who are working with immigration who have cases. Any lawyers out there? Any lawyers who have it? Absolutely. 
contact her, please. And say, hey, you know, we have we have people who need the services and to say, Hey, when it comes to, you know, how they're going to pay for the services, like I will open my schedule to be able to offer, you know, certain time slots where they're for free so they can come to this because as a mother, I think it really just comes down to me being a mother and knowing how important it is for my child to thrive in a world that unfortunately is against us. And you want to be able to do everything you can. And I only have one child and I know that I can't save and rescue everyone, but if I can do my, my part in helping others succeed and, and, and helping others have a better understanding of how important mental health is and just to be able to help their children as well succeed because we all deserve it. We all have, we all deserve that. And I think that it's important to be able to do that. So that's one, that's the big pie in the sky for me. That's, that's my biggest, biggest goal. And I swear I will, I will die a happy woman if I'm able to provide that stuff. So, so let's, let's see, I'm working towards it. So let's see, I put it out there on your podcast. So, <laughs> so we'll come see. On, people, people, universe, everybody come, come and uh, talk to Susana, get her what she needs people. <laughs> so she can help others. So we'll see. Work with her. Yeah, work yes. With her, yes. I'm, with her. Yes. I'm all her. for that. So where can I'm we all for that. You? you have a practice in Long Beach. Yes. I have one in Long Beach. And all that stuff is on. You have a website. What's your website? Okay. So I have currently the maternal mental health website, which is www.memyself. And it's an N mommy.com. And it's all one word for me, myself and mommy. And that has all the services that I provide when it comes to maternal mental health. So that's Mm -hmm. mom seeking the groups or the, you know, the resources that they need and so forth. So as far as expanding Espanol too, right? It's English. Yes, it's in English and Spanish. I just finished translating every single part of that website Good. and it's yeah. all in English and Spanish. So absolutely I felt that that was another part that, you know, my readers need to be able to log on a website and see the information clearly in Spanish that they're not, you know, trying to, you know, read and understand. No, it has to be right there for them. Mm-hmm. So that's available for that. And as far as the other practice, which is called Heal and Grow Therapy, the website is still under construction. I am working on that because that is something that also I want to make sure is available in English and in Spanish. And that will have all the other services that I provided as far as couples, family, children, counseling. And I definitely will put it out there as well that I do want to work with you know, children that have been separated from their parents due to an immigration case and so forth. And so my practice is in Long Beach and the address is on the uh, me, myself and mommy website. And so I do, like I said, provide a 30 minute free consultation over the phone just to see where the person is, you know, what they're looking for or any questions they have because some people just don't know what therapy is you know what what is therapy you know am I coming in and are you giving me a bottle of medicine no well that's one thing that I clearly say we as mental health clinicians as psychotherapists we do not prescribe that is where a psychiatrist comes in Mm -hmm. but we do work closely when there's a prescription involved with a psychiatrist to do the medication management because it's statistically shown that when you do both simul you know together Mm -hmm. and and you're managing this stuff with a clinician, then, Mm -hmm. you know, the 
the results are a lot better. So I do a 30 minute free consultation because I do want people to get a better idea also of who they're going to be working with. You know, sometimes we talk to someone on the phone and we say, Oh my God, she's perfect. I totally want to work with her. And sometimes, yeah, you know, yeah, she's not the one and that's fine. You know, it has to be a good fit for absolutely. And I'm okay with not being the one for, for everyone because I understand that I may not meet someone's needs or, Unfortunately, sometimes it happens where you don't have any openings and someone needs something right away and they have to go with someone else and it happens. I've been through my share of therapists, so I completely understand how important it is to have that one where you're like, oh my God, she or he totally gets me. This is perfect. It (laughs) makes the process a lot easier and it makes the work feel less of a burden. It's like, oh, I actually want to go to therapy Mm -hmm. and discuss this and figure out what's happening or I want to share how amazing things have been because of this, this and that. So it's definitely different when you're doing something and looking at it like an improvement type of thing, like a goal, like I'm going to get better instead of like, there's something wrong with me. So I need to go fix it. So that's, and I think that's one of the big judgments that I try to steer away from is if you're coming to see me, there's nothing wrong with you. There's, that's why I decided to expand the services and call it heal and grow because I personally have been through my own healing journey and I've grown through it. And I think it's a great name. I was going to tell you, I love Thank you very much. Thank you. I think that if we look at it as we all have wounds and we all have wounds from many Mm -hmm. different things, Mm -hmm. but when we begin to learn to heal from them, we're only going to get better. Right. We're Mm -hmm. only going to become better. And I think that the best analogy for that is if you have a physical wound, if you scrape yourself and you take care of it right away, you know that that's going to get better. But you also know that if you don't take care of it, it's going to get infected and it's going to lead to many other issues. Same as our mental and emotional wounds. If we take care of them, you have the ability to feel better, the ability to think better, the ability to just take on whatever else comes and you're like, I'm ready to do this. If you don't, we're struggling. We're feeling a little more, you know, depressed or anxious or like a burden. And that's why I think it's important to get to these preventative cares because you want to help people say, okay, I don't have to feel to that. I don't have to get to that extent before I seek help. I can do this before. Yep. So, so those are the reasons why I decided. And and like I said, that's the reason why I decided to call it that. Cause like you said, you hit it on the nail where if we feel that we're trying to improve rather than feeling like this is a burden or I am a a burden, it's going to be a lot better for that person. So everyone call Susana right now. (laughs) (laughs) My phone will be going off. Thanks to you. Well, and if you're in the LA area and you really want to talk to her, just, you know, pick up the phone and talk to her. So you have her website, me, myself, and mommy.com. And then your social media on Instagram is also me, myself, me, myself and mommy. And then for that one is heal and grow. And grow therapy. And oh, the website, and therapy. grow therapy. Yes. And the website for that, I'm still working on it. But as soon as it's live, I will post it on there, healandgrowtherapy.com. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, and everything is in English and Spanish and will definitely be for the other one, too. Yeah. Well, that's great. And thank you so much for talking with me. And hopefully thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Enjoy. I mean, yeah, I enjoyed talking about this and I learned. Yeah, I learned so much and hopefully others will, too. And 
please universe help her give this <laughs> everyone that needs them please <laughs> thank you thank you that is my goal but thank you for having me this was a huge honor and i know we have been kind of working on when we were going to get this going as far as date and what would work for us and i'm just so thankful it worked out today yes, and that we were too. able to do it and i'm so excited for you and this new project of yours oh, too you. <laughs> because i think that the more voices of color that we have out there the more representation especially in females i mean yes. in mujeres we need this i think we all um are doing a service to our communities to you know, a larger audience. So I'm so excited for your new venture thank and I'm you. truly, truly thank honored you. for you to have me on here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I don't know. I just, you know, sometimes the universe just brings people together. So yes. <laughs> so hope you have a great rest of your day and goodbye to your son. We can, uh, we've heard him in the background. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's good. That's what three and a half year olds are, you know, right. They, yes. they can't sit still for too long. He was trying to be quiet for a while but he kind of creeped no, over here and <laughs> no he did a great job but yeah so goodbye and goodbye, goodbye <laughs> thank you thank you so much have a great rest of your day too you too thank you for listening to relate and elevate find me on instagram and twitter at giselle's world and on facebook at gm strategist Make sure to visit my website, GiselleMartin.com, and please, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Hope you have an amazing day. Bye.